Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and there is plenty to talk about today. Um, definitely need to talk about something crazy that happened today in the Buffs athletics world. Uh, Colorado beat UAB in overtime in women's basketball to remain undefeated. A um, lot of cool stuff going there. Got to touch on that real quick because we haven't talked about them in about a week, and they are playing well enough to deserve a lot more attention from all of us. Uh, also, of course, need to talk about the men's basketball game last night at the CU Event Center. They played Prairie View a and um, What an exciting team to watch. Uh, so, played Prairie View a and uh, won the game. Wasn't always pretty. I think a lot of people are pretty frustrated, but in the end, Colorado won by 19 points, and it's pretty tough to be disappointed uh, when you come out on top in the way that they came out on top. Uh, going to touch on that. Going to definitely talk about the game against Dayton tomorrow. Uh, number 13, Dayton. This is, I think, probably the biggest game of non-conference play for Colorado and a real, I don't know, a, a real test. I mean, this is where we're going to see what this team is. I have a lot of thoughts on this basketball team. I'm actually, I think, a little bit higher on the buffs right now than a lot of you are. And I think I figured out why. Uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, the buffs signed a grad transfer linebacker. I got to keep, I got to stop calling them the buffs when I'm talking about women's basketball, the men's basketball and football. I got to say the football team signed uh, a linebacker today who I'm actually pretty excited about um, and I think could make an impact here for Colorado pretty early on. I guess it would have to be early on because he's going to be a senior of one year of eligibility. Uh, we're going to touch on that and then kind of get into what this inside linebacker group looks like with him now in the mix and how that changes things. All of a sudden, I think that these inside linebackers might be a, a real strength. You know, they've, they've had just, a, they've had some depth, you know, John Van Deese there, Akil Jones there, um, Marvin Ham behind him, a guy who I personally am very excited to see play, uh, Josh Allen, a lot of guys there, but now you add somebody who I think has a chance to be the starter, and now these depth guys get pushed one step down, uh, and if Nate Lamon takes the step I think he's going to take next year, all of a sudden this could be a real strength for this football team, and there goes one more hole. When you look at it, they they look good in coverage with this young secondary coming back. The pass rush. <laughs> I'm excited about this pass rush. And uh, now the linebackers are taking another step forward. Um, 
really want to get deeper into that topic as well. I think we have a couple of questions. Uh, I'm excited for those as always because it puts me on the spot. It's a lot of fun to be put on the spot, test my knowledge, see where my brain goes. Um, I'm going to tell you just a little bit more about drift car sharing before we get into the show, but uh, I'm really excited. A lot of stuff to talk about. And then I don't get to talk to you guys until Monday, which feels pretty crazy. Oh, I should also say uh, tomorrow, the Dayton game at 4.30. I'm headed over to Blake Street Tavern. I'm bringing uh, Chase Howell from 247, formerly from BSN. Uh, you guys know who Chase is. You're, you're on Twitter. Um, come hang out with us. There's going to be a watch party there. It's going to be a blast. What else are you going to do on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, hopefully not Christmas shopping. Oh, I went shopping today and it was awful. It's seven o'clock right now and I have gotten no work done. Uh, it was just all morning. I guess I got my hair cut to start the day. So that's not, I mean, that's, that part's on me. Uh, <laughs> looks pretty cool by the way. Uh, and then I had to go shopping. I ended up at the Cherry Creek mall, lost my car for legitimately 30 minutes. I was walking through those massive parking garages, had no idea where I parked it, was calling my mom when I walked in. And so didn't think to check like, which door is this? What's the label on the row? Which stores am I walking by as I go in? And it was terrible, especially when I'm trying to like rush through everything to spend that much. Okay. Nobody cares. Uh, point is I ended the night with a big cup of coffee, drank it. It got me back to like my normal, uh, state of energy. And then when I got back, I filled it up with a full cup of cold brew. And so now I have podcast energy, which I'm really excited about. Drift car sharing though is an incredible service. Uh, instead of, instead of paying to park at the airport, instead of Ubering to the airport, instead of asking your friend to drive you to the airport, you can just handle it yourself and make money while you're gone. You drop your car off at their lot. It's a quick process. You jump in their shuttle. It takes you the last five minutes into the airport and uh, they clean your car for you. You don't have to pay and they try to rent your car out. If they do rent your car out, then you get a cut of the profit. So there you go. It's it's a good deal. I've, You know, here's the thing. When I was signing up for Drift, I didn't expect to get much money, but... W- when I plug my car into their formula, they said if it's rented out, I get $25 a day. That's pretty crazy. And I'm a 22-year-old who just graduated. And I, it's, I think a lot of you might have a little bit nicer cars than I have. It's a great service. Uh, they, they give you so much of the profit. It's, it's a great deal. And I'm really excited about it. As I head back to Montana for a few days next week to uh, be with my family. Uh, which will be cool. And I'll be making money, more money than I make here. Like I'm still going to be back there like writing. uh, Oh, I have have a couple ideas that I think you guys are going to really like. And uh, I'm going to be podcasting and I'm going to make money from that, from work. But then also I'm going to make money from leaving my car there. It's it's, it's incredible. Um, Definitely check them out. You can go to drivedrift.com for more information. I know some of you are actually coming out here uh, for Christmas. And if you're doing that, use them to rent a car. You'll save some money. Uh, it's, it's a great service. Check it out. It's the future drivedrift.com. Okay. Uh, basketball. Let's start with the women because I (laughs) am starting to get hyped 
about this team, which isn't something that I expected. Remember, this was a team that was not supposed to be doing much of anything this year in the Pac-12. You know, they've been toward the bottom of the Pac-12 the last couple of years. They lose their two best players, whole bunch of question marks. And here they are, undefeated, with a 10-0 and record. Pretty incredible. Uh, they, they, they deserve your support. Show out to some of these games. I still actually haven't gotten to one. And they aren't in Boulder for a while, which is pretty disappointing. I'm, I'm going to try to get to about half of the women's games the rest of the way. Um, a couple I'm really excited for. I mean, this Pac-12 schedule, remember, is incredible. And that's that's why this 10-0 start, as great as it is, it's 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 still kind of nerve-wracking. You know, Colorado has proven that they're a very good Division One basketball team. They're re- re- receiving top 25 votes. That was obviously before today. They beat UAB in overtime. Aubrey Knight looks uh, incredible. Uh, now, now that she's playing forward, she's just dominant out there in a way that I don't know. She's 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 so much fun to watch. Uh, played 43 minutes today, eight of 11 from the field, three of five from three, 13 rebounds, 24 points. Uh, it it was it was something else. Uh, the the craziest part. Uh, the reason that this is kind of a team that you might be able to watch as a stress reliever. She did all that and didn't turn the ball over once. I'm uh, high on her. Remember, she she came on the show actually about a month ago, two months, uh, close to two months now. It's pretty crazy. Um, really was impressed there. And now it's just like, whoa. We'd, we'd heard her get talked up, but to see her actually go out there and perform the way she's performing incredible uh uab pretty average basketball team yeah i'm here's here's the thing i'm not saying that based on my deep understanding of how the 300 and something women's basketball teams in ncaa division one stack up i don't have that knowledge but i looked up rpi which is a great tool um you know i, I mean most of you know what rpi is for those of you who don't basically how it works is they take your your wins uh, and your losses, compare that to how good the teams are based on their wins and losses, take the point differential, a bunch of that kind of stuff in, and they pop out their own rankings. UAB, right toward the middle of the pack. Um, Tulane, who Colorado plays tomorrow, again, right toward the middle of the pack. So going to overtime against this team isn't all that exciting until you remember, you know what, they're, they're playing these games in New Orleans, uh, much closer to Birmingham uh, than Boulder, famously. And also, the Buffs were without Quinessa Kalo Doe, their only senior on this roster. So that definitely levels the playing field from Colorado, who, you know, was, was right around 30th, 31st, if I remember correctly, in this top 25, if you expand out the, the, the like, points that you get for votes. Um, to be without your only senior... Uh, who is your point guard, a position that's even more valuable in women's basketball than in men's basketball, that's huge. Um, and and the way that Colorado made up for it is what makes it so exciting. Um, it was Aubrey Knight who stepped up, a sophomore. It was Jalen Sherrod who stepped up, six assists. She She's a freshman, and, and she stepped into that playmaking role that was vacated by the senior point guard, uh, Maya, Hollingshed, Maya Hollingshed, the junior, also put up 22 points. 
the depth wasn't great. Uh, actually, no points off the bench. I don't no 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 points off the bench. Uh, the starters carried the load, but you still see a lot more out of this team than I think people were expecting. Um, which is which is really really exciting. Uh, again, Colorado has proven to be a very good team. Uh, I don't think that that's really disputable at this point. Um, they haven't played the best teams in the country, but that's because most of the best teams in the country are in the Pac-12. You still got to see more. You got to see what they can do uh, starting next week. Uh, tomorrow is actually their final non-conference game against Tulane. I believe it's a noon start, mountain time, and it's a chance to go 11-0 in conference play. Kind of putting the conference on notice that there might be something going on in Boulder, which I'm 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 pumped about. I'm obviously pumped about it. Uh, how much fun would it be to see them compete? Uh, again, you, you, they've they've done everything you could ask them to do up to this point. The challenges get tougher. Uh, when when you look through these uh, national rankings, number one, Stanford. Number three, Oregon. Number four. Oregon State, number 10, UCLA, uh, 18, Arizona. They're all over. And uh, then you get Colorado receiving votes, Arizona State receiving votes. Three of the top four schools in the country are in the Pac-12. That's tough. And the toughest part is that Colorado doesn't really get to ease into conference play. Uh, The 29th, they'll play at Utah Again, not, I mean, Utah's toward the bottom of the Pac-12. That makes them just as good as any team that Colorado's probably faced all year just because of how good the Pac-12 is. And then after that, the Buffs hit the road to play number three Oregon and number four Oregon State. That's going to be telling. That's going to be really telling. I mean, those aren't games that you can really expect Colorado to win. They don't have that talent. They just don't. It's it's like the Buffs men's team going into Kansas. It's just really hard to see it happening. And then you throw in that the expectations for Colorado, I mean they've they've exceeded them by far so far this year. Um, that's not a game where those aren't games where if they lose, you start to say, oh no, this this might be another bad season I mean that's what they've been having is bad seasons there's really no way around it but if they keep those games within 10 on the road against those schools all of a sudden you're saying why can't this be a sweet 16 team because Oregon with Sabrina Ionescu it's they're they're incredible that's just the truth Oregon State right behind them again it's too early to start saying Colorado's a Pac-12 contender but you know, a couple quick sh- or a couple good showings in the next couple of weeks, and you are right there. They've set themselves up. You know, if, if they do end up within five, ten points of Oregon, people aren't going to be saying, oh, that was kind of a fluke. They're going to be able to say, hey, that's what they've been doing all year. This team is for real. You know, and, and that's, that's what non-conference play is really for, um, at least when you're talking about how people think about these teams. It's about letting you know with a little bit more accuracy what's for real, what isn't early in conference play. It's 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 just about time for them to really prove that there's something and 
you know, that's that's what we're here for. That's why I'm so excited. That's why it's about time for me to start talking about them more on this podcast so that we don't go into that week not knowing what is going on. Again, this is a young team for Colorado. Uh, to be honest, I, I see a lot of the volleyball program in this team uh, in that they are talented. They are talented. Are they as talented as Oregon, Oregon State? No, but it's it's more a more talented program than you give them credit for. The problem is that they're just so young, and they're probably going to win games they shouldn't win, and they're probably going to lose games they shouldn't win. So far, they haven't, or they should. They're going to lose games they shouldn't lose. There we go. But so far, they haven't shown the flaws of a young team, and that's what's so exciting. And that's what happened with the volleyball program. Did they go nine and zero to start the season? Ten and zero, some something big like that, um, and uh, that's where this basketball program is. And now there's a chance for them to turn the corner again. Take care of business. It's actually a two o'clock start tomorrow, Saturday, um, and then uh, and then it's into the Pac-12 play to see if this is a good basketball pro- school, which or a good basketball team, which I think has been proven by the way they've played the non-conference schedule or whether this is a great basketball school um it's 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 exciting it's really exciting um and definitely not anticipated which makes it even more exciting to be honest um it kind of reminds me of the avalanche a couple years ago when well first of all they had the worst record in NHL history and then bounced back and had the team that everybody counted out but won that game 82 to make it into the playoffs like shock the whole world. They weren't title contenders. They uh, needed a couple more years to get to that point. And now we finally are here with this women's basketball program. That could be what this season is. That, wait a minute, is Colorado going to the NCAA tournament? How did that happen? That's that's the potential right here. And uh, if that happens, that means the next step is maybe winning a game in the tournament, and then maybe winning a couple games in the tournament a couple years down the road. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to watch good teams. It's really fun to watch good teams. But it's even more fun to watch good teams when you got to follow the rise, got to see this process unfold. And, and right now, we are potentially on, on the, in, in the beginning of that process. You know, this first step up from the basement of the Pac-12 to, you know, an, an average Pac-12 team, an above-average good Pac-12 team, and those make the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm really excited. It, it might be a little bit too early for me to be this excited just because the level of play in the Pac-12 is not matched by any other conference. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to use that as an excuse and say, you know what, Colorado is good at basketball. They are in the top third of the country because there are so many basketball teams and that can get lost. But the truth is, Colorado is a Pac-12 school. The standard shouldn't be, hey, we can be an above-average school. It should be, we can be a good Pac-12 team. We can compete for Pac-12 titles. Right now, that standard's a little bit lower, and that's going to have to raise. But for right now, if they can get, just just make some noise. Pull a couple wins you shouldn't, you, sh- you shouldn't be able to grab. Um, and, and again, what makes this so exciting is they aren't making the mistakes that young teams typically make. They're, they're winning by wide margins against teams that good Pac-12 teams win by good margins against. I'm, 
unbelievably excited. Uh, maybe it's the coffee, but but it's a it's a fun time to be following this this program. Um, again, that that can change quickly, but uh, here we are. So let's enjoy it while we're here. Let's uh, definitely tune that Utah game, uh, December 29th at two. And then uh, they hit the road for Oregon, Oregon State. And if they're if they're within 15 points, I'm still gonna be saying, huh, tournament team. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cool time. Let's uh talk about Breckenridge Brewery for a second because they make good beer. Uh, today I ran to the office and spent a couple minutes there. While I was there, they were recording the abs podcast and they wanted to drink some breck beers while they were talking about breck beers and so aj hayfley ran out to the fridge in the lobby uh like out of the studio where they're doing the live broadcast tries to grab a beer and there's only one left uh we're actually grabbing like <laughs> an absurd amount of beers tomorrow uh for the tailgate sunday i haven't plugged the tailgate sunday well, okay. one thing at a time one thing at a time um so he grabs the beer it's uh one of the loggers and he says wow we're gonna have to fight for this and so he brought it back into the studio and then there was a commotion because i didn't run in the studio with him because it gets really hot if there are too many people and they really hate when i do that i like to make faces at them and stuff but uh there was a commotion and somehow Rudo wound up with the beer. Um, what that goes to show is that everybody likes the beers because we drank them all out of that little refrigerator and also they fought over it. So what more endorsement do you need than that? Try the lager. Rudo did. Uh, he liked it. And you will too. Um, if you use the beer locator on their website, then you can... Uh, find whichever Breckenridge beer you want to try and it will, you know, give you directions to the nearest place to find that beer or just like any other beers too. Uh, okay. Oh, also want to tell you about Total Beverage, a great place where you can definitely find Breckenridge beers. Uh, the, the selection is incredible. They have all sorts of different beers, all sorts of different wines, all sorts of different tequila and vodka and uh um i can come on rumple mints i guess that you there's only one type uh gin but they have a bunch of gins um i basically stick to tequila there's a little inside of my life um here's what i do again my budget is not unlimited uh, which I'm, you know, explained when I was talking about drift car sharing. And so I can't really just be blowing all my money on expensive tequilas. Um, so here's what I do because at total beverage, you can save 30% with the code DNVR 2019. I, instead of getting like a cheap bottle of tequila for really cheap, I get a nice bottle of tequila for the same price as a yeah, pretty cheap bottle of tequila. And then it really impresses people. And that's my advice to you is that if, if you're looking to like class things up a little bit but don't want to spend money to do it, that's the move. You use the code DNVR2019 and they'll deliver it to you. You can pick it up, all that kind of stuff. You can walk through the aisles and grab it yourself like you're a caveman or something. But uh, yeah, just, just 
buy something that's like a level higher and pay the lower price and people won't even know. Um, or you could give them the code because you're a good person. I don't. I, uh, I want to look cool. Okay. Uh, the men's basketball game last night, Prairie View A&M. There, uh, you know, a lot of takes here. A lot of takes you can have. There were flaws. Um, want to guess what they were? Uh, if, if, in case you haven't been on Twitter, didn't watch the game, um, there were, let's, let's say this. There were two problems that Tad Boyle mentioned after the game. Uh, here's, I said after the game, like uh, it was the end of a like read or not even a, I guess it could be like a read from the broadcast booth of like a TV game. Like we'll see you after the game. Uh, oh boy, too much coffee. That was a mistake and I'm admitting that right now. Um, yeah, so hopefully you figured out what the two problems are. Turnovers again. And allowing offensive rebounds. Again, um, I don't want to talk about those things. I really, really don't. I'm sick of it. I don't think I have much new to say. So we're just going to make this quick. 16 turnovers. Uh, going into the night, the Buffs had 15 and a half per game. Bottom in the Pac-12. Uh, only allowed I mean, only allowed 10 offensive rebounds. But uh, that's too many. That's too many. Uh, actually, Tad Boyle mentioned a couple guys by name. So he, he talked about how the offensive rebounds were a problem. And I asked him, so what's going wrong? Why is this team allowing offensive rebounds? And, you know, I was expecting something like, you know, we aren't boxing out. It's effort. It's, uh, we're, it's there's bouncing off our hands. You, you know, you, they're, they're only like three or four different things. But you know that if you give a simple question to Tad Boyle, he will give you an incredible answer. And uh, that's what he did. And he said, actually, he said, that's a simple question. It's a simple answer. We're not boxing out. But then he kept talking. And uh, again, I really like listening to what he has to say about basketball, especially for somebody like me who, you know, I'm, I'm a football guy. That's just the truth. I like basketball. I like watching basketball. If you said draw up a play uh, to to get a three pointer off with two seconds off the clock off an inbound, I I would lose that basketball game. If you put me in a similar situation in football, I think I could come up with something. I wouldn't come up with anything as great as like an actual college football coach would come up with. But I have more of an idea of like all these different theories and how you'd pull a defense apart and how to pick apart different problems. You know. I'm a football guy. I read football books. I study football. Basketball, I'm a I'm a, I'm a fan. Um and that's kind of been a progress. Also, I do want to say watch the list. Uh if if you aren't following along with the list, Adam Mares who covers the Nuggets for us has this incredible weekly series where he gets deep into basketball theory and uh it's it's kind of like a film room I I have learned so much from him uh, about basketball. Definitely be checking that out. Uh, he also had that What Makes This Play Great series. I haven't seen one of those recently. It might have been a couple weeks. Um, I probably just missed them. We put out a lot of content. Um, but those are also a great series where he explains why they're uh, picking these guys, what what exactly is happening here, what what works, what doesn't work it has really helped me more than anything. Cause it's, it's, it's hard. You know, when I first wanted to learn a lot about football, 
I struggled to find the resources, but then I found like there was an SB Nation page I liked. Uh, there are a few books. Uh, one of them that Ryan Konigsberg uh, told me that I should be checking out. Uh, I think it's called like Take Your Eye Off the Ball. That was great. A lot of not just like what happens on the field, but also um, behind the scenes stuff. You know, talking about how most NFL teams, you know, th- when they get to the team hotel the night before the game, they have uh, the entire team sit down in uh, in like an auditorium for one big team meeting. And what they do is say, okay, uh, kickoff team, stand up. The 11 guys have to stand up. And then the coach says, you, you, you all sit down. Now who's in? And three new guys stand up. And it's actually really hard because they aren't all one for one subs. You know, if, if you're taking um, one of those guys off of the first 11, there's probably one guy, two guys, who could be the guy who fills in for most of those spots. So if it's your outside guy on the left or your outside guy on the right, then it's probably the same guy who fills in for either of those guys. You have both sit down, then you need the second guy to fill in. So it's actually like a lot of stuff going on. They go through that. They go through for punt team, for punt return team. You know, and, and it makes sense. That's the way to do it. But just to have a book that explains that that's what they do, that helps um also brian howell's book on uh the buffs that he just dropped i think it was like september 24th maybe uh specific date probably doesn't matter uh the 100 things buffs fans should know or do before they die that has been a great help to me as somebody covering the buffs just to get the key points of buffs football so if there are fewer situations where i walk in and somebody says hey uh what's an example oh uh, saw the twins earlier and so that I don't say the twins because you know Peggy and Betty I think I got that I think I got them right I actually saw them for the first time last week and it was it was really cool for me um, yeah that book also helps with buff specific stuff for sure um, all sports um, okay uh, that was a tangent hopefully interesting one maybe uh, but Time to jump back in. I am not like a diehard basketball junkie who knows all these in-depth things. Having a chance to pick Tad Boyle's brain about them is pretty awesome. Um, And so that's why when you throw him a simple question, he's going to go so in-depth and he's going to give you a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, You know, he, like I said, I asked him, why are you guys having trouble stopping offensive rebounds and he said simple question simple answer uh you you, uh we just are not boxing out the way that we have to and and then he said you know mckinley wright he struggled in that he he had a really bad night boxing out he probably gave up two or three of those uh tyler bay another guy who did uh he even mentioned evan batty as a guy who you know typically very good didn't um, and to hear him talk about that, to, to name names, it's interesting because you, you remember this is all politics. Uh, he knows whether he's calling somebody out or, or whether he's not. That's a conscious decision that Tad makes. Does, does he want to say, hey, McKinley did not put in the effort? And he did, uh, which, again, very telling about where he thinks this team is. Um, some interesting stuff there. He said, you know, the guards need to be crashing. That's that's what's really missing. Is there's the missed box outs, 
but particularly you need the guards in there making more plays. Um, which makes sense when you hear it, at least for me looking back, you're like, oh yeah, look at all these plays where that didn't happen. Um, interesting stuff from Tad Boyle there. Uh, also with the turnovers, because I said we were going through these too quickly. Uh, this was supposed to be a short podcast because I'm a little bit sick. Um, like have a thing in my throat and this is just going to fry it for the whole weekend doing an hour long or hour long plus podcast. But you know what? Here we are. I don't have to talk again until Monday anyway. Okay. Uh, so, so turnovers, um, again, McKinley and Tyler Bay led the team in turnovers, uh, four for McKinley, three for Bay off the top of my head. Um, it, it, it provides an interesting situation. Oh, no, Bay was also four uh, because it, it's your best guys. You know, it's it's not guys who are coming in off the bench, struggling, and so you can just change up the rotation. These are guys you just need to do better. Uh, I do want to say that Tad singled out McKinley and said, hey, you know what? 16 offensive turnovers is too many. We can't let that happen. But McKinley, if you look back, two of his weren't like turnovers that were his fault necessarily. One was the offensive foul. If you remember, uh, he like passed the ball, continued running, ran into a guy um, a, a bit later. Like there was separation. It wasn't like a irresponsible drive. It was kind of just like a weird thing that happened. That's credited as a turnover. Uh, there was one rebound he went up and got an offensive rebound that he caught in the air. A lot of people around, uh, couldn't get his footing, couldn't land in bounds, fell out of bounds at the ball. They counted it, offensive rebound, turnover. Um, so you take those two away, and all of a sudden, not a bad night uh, by any means. Um, so so there was that. And he wasn't quite as concerned about the turnovers this time as he had been in the past. He still didn't like them. He said they need to get fixed. But what gave him some hope was that they were streaky. Like he said, uh, you know, three or four came in garbage time. Not an excuse. Need to play better in garbage time, but there they weren't that flow of action turnover. Um, it was after they pretty much won the game, you know, and that that was the key. The streaks where you, you go a couple minutes without a turnover. Uh, the next game you go a few minutes, and then you go four minutes, five minutes, and he's seeing these streaks get longer and longer. Um, where they're playing good basketball on offense, they aren't. They aren't just making bad decisions and and you still do see them and even even the passes that aren't turnovers those are the ones that frustrate me um i sat next to chase for the the game against uni um and we got to talk about a lot you know one one play in particular i remember turning to chase evans under the basket he's kind of posting up there's a guy uh across the court in the corner um so like past the basket it's, it's a pretty long pass. Evan throws it up over the defenders, ends up in the guy's hands. Like, it was a good pass. It was a tight window, but it was a good pass. He put it right on the money. My concern with the pass is that, again, it's pretty high risk, but there isn't much of a payoff. You know, even, even with the perfect pass, hitting him right in the hands, he's not going to be able to get a three-pointer off. The guy's too close for that. And so you're taking that risk without much payoff. And that's the kind of thing you see consistently. You know, if, if you're trying to fit a, a ball through a tight window because somebody's open under the basket, cutting to the basket, that's one thing. But if you're for, forcing the ball through a tight window, 
because you want it out of your hands, that is, those are the bad turnovers. Those, those are the turnovers that just kill you because you're not getting anything out of it. You have time to stand there and find somebody. You know, it, it seems like a lot of the time they're, they're trying to make a move. If the move doesn't work, they look to their first passing option. Oh, he's covered. Look to the second and just fire to him whether he's open or not. Don't like it. Tad says he's feeling better. I feel the same way. Um, Three-point shooting. Tad had some interesting things to say as well. Um, I, let's go scoring in general and we'll get into that. He, he said 83 points. That's good. Uh, that's that's what we should be doing. But with this team, we should be averaging 75 points. Like, we are capable of that. Um, it was nice. Like, if, if everybody is clicking, if everybody's making their three-point shots, then this is a team that should be scoring 83 points. They are that good. The problem is there haven't been any nights where everybody has been on yet. Um, and that's why you haven't seen many nights where they put up 83 points like they did against Prairie View. The 83-64, I'm not sure if I've said the score yet. Um, he said that it is kind of unrealistic. You know, you're not going to have everybody hot every night, but to see Deshaun Schwartz get off... This was the first night that he was part of the group, not the first, but one of the first nights where he was part of the group that really buoyed the three-point shooting. You've seen these guys all do it individually. It's just getting them to do it together. Um, that's that's probably enough on that game. Um, going forward, going into Dayton, uh, not into Dayton, into Chicago to play Dayton, you need more than Deshaun Schwartz making threes. You know, Deshaun was three of seven from three. Buffs overall were five of 20. Everybody who wasn't Deshaun Schwartz combined for two of 13. You don't have to do that math yourself. That's why you listen to the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'll do it for you. Um, I think I did it right. So you just need a couple of those guys clicking. You need to keep cutting down the turnovers, continuing to make those stretches where there are problems less. But I kind of like a lot of where this team is at and I know a lot of you don't and I think that that's fair and I think that I definitely am on the more optimistic end of things and you know I, I'm not going to sit here and say your take is wrong if you think that this Buffs team is going to be disappointing any of those things I could see that happening as well but this path to to contention in the Pac-12 is becoming more clear to me. Um, and I kind of like it. I kind of like how this is shaping up. This defense is really good. And it, I, you really can't emphasize that enough. Um, so, so good defensively. And again, I, I was talking to Les Shapiro today. Uh, who you guys probably have been listening to for quite a while. Uh, he was also at Blake Street Tavern. I went down to Blake Street Tavern today. It was a blast. You know, 104.3 was recording a show there. Uh, Mike Pritchard was there with Zach By. Uh, Jim Armstrong was out there. It w the, the sports media world was popping at BST today, which is always a lot of fun. It's going to be popping again tomorrow. Better get out there. Watch party. Those things get hyped. Last, last watch party, I won some Buffs for Life hats. Got a new bag from... I always get really proud when I say bag instead of bag, and it interrupts my train of thought, which makes it even more embarrassing than saying bag instead of bag. 
but it's where we're at. Um, but I got a new bag for all my podcasting gear when I go around. So I'm not really sure if they're actually giveaways tomorrow. All I'm saying is I had a blast and I'm excited to have another good time tomorrow. Again, bringing Chase out there too. It's going to be a party. Um, tangent, tangent, tangent was talking to Les Shapiro and you know, he, he, he said a lot of the same things we've been saying, the turnovers, getting offense, clicking all that stuff. But he did say, you know, defense travels. And that's what's so, so nice is that a really good team that's based off of really good shooting is going to have off shooting nights and they're going to lose because of it. You don't see nearly as many off defensive nights. You know, I, I we, we've seen some for sure. We've, we've seen some mental lapses, but for the most part, it's been a pretty consistent effort. It's not like three-point shooting where a good three-point shooting team makes 60% one night and then makes 30% the next night and then makes 40 and then 45 and then 20 and then 60, you know, and, and there still are these fluctuations. The fluctuations for good defensive teams aren't nearly as big. You, you need to shoot well to capitalize on top of that sometimes, but just knowing that this team has that makes me feel very good about it. I feel like there's just such a strong base level for this team. And I think that playing in some of these closer games that probably shouldn't have been this close does provide good experience down the stretch. This is a gritty basketball team. This is a basketball team that wants to play defense first, that wants to be shutting down its opponents. You know, you need them to score too, but you know, it kind of looks like they are enjoying that identity of being a defensive basketball team, of you know, kind of beating other teams up. I like building off of that. I like the idea that, like Tad said, if if you get this offense clicking, it's it's gonna be something special in in Boulder. But I don't think you need it to. I mean, you need it to if you're going to be like a a real national contender going to the Elite Eight, which is what we all want. But to be competitive in the Pac-12, to make a run for the Pac-12 title. You only need a little step up. You need to cut down these uh, offensive rebounds they're allowing. You need to stop turning the ball over. Not not stop turning the ball over. Cut down on the turnovers. And all of a sudden, you have a formula. You have an identity. It might not be the identity that everybody wanted coming in this year, especially because you guys all got to watch what they looked like late last season when that offense was clicking, when they were kind of magic, when everybody understood their role and was playing within their role, and they weren't really making all that many mistakes. I think that might be some of the difference in my perspective here is that I didn't see any of that. I have only seen this Buffs basketball team for what it is this year, and I'm kind of falling in love with what it is this year Well, you guys had different expectations, and so coming around to this, we are gritty. Games are going to be close, and we're going to pull them out at the end. That's the attitude. We're here to win basketball games. We're not here to be flashy. I like it. You know, you guys who got to see the Showtime buffs make the run last year, like, sure, that's fun basketball too, and again, probably what we should have expected coming into this year. But the fact that this defense looks the way it looks is so exciting to me. And uh, you know what? The offense needs to get better if they're going to get where they want to go, if they want to get where they can go. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. It's that they are capable, and we've seen that they are capable. I still think it just takes some time to come around. Um, not for every team. I think that that's obviously been true in other places. And 
uh, I think that expecting it not to have happened here, you know, what a weird way to say that. Expecting them to be clicking quickly here offensively made sense. Again, sometimes that's just not what happens. Pac-12 play is coming. They look like they're improving. Tomorrow against Dayton, that's that's going to be huge. Um, massive. It's going to be massive. Uh, again, 13th ranked team. I think probably the biggest game of the non-conference schedule. I know they played the second ranked team. And if they could have taken down Kansas, it would have been a huge storyline. Would have vaulted them up the rankings. <sighs> they just weren't there. Um, I think even before the season, expecting them to be competing with the number two team in the country was a stretch. Not a massive stretch, but a stretch. Beating this Dayton team, though, that's something that I think the Buffs are very capable of. I still don't think it's going to happen because Dayton, remember, is a very good basketball team. Obi Toppin, something else. He's so tough to defend, uh, so tough to stop on the offensive glass, but uh, the Buffs can hang with them. And if the Buffs, again, make this a close game, pull out a close game, all of a sudden, I am sold that that is this team's identity. They're here to beat you up, play kind of physical basketball, and take advantages of their opportunities late and pull out the win. Uh, Okay, we're going really long here. I'm going to have to make some decisions. I think this is just going to be a long show. Oh, well, uh, here's another storyline for tomorrow. McKinley Wright uh, has a lot of family going this game. I think he said right around 50 friends and family are going to be at this game in Chicago tomorrow. A lot of his family's from Chicago. Kinley's from uh, Minnesota himself uh, originally. It's big for him. Uh, he wants to beat Dayton. He has a vengeance. You know, this whole team does based on the NIT last year. Everybody here wants to beat Dayton. Uh, and and I think my favorite part, you know, here's the first thing. McKinley admitted he is fired up. He does not want to lose this game. He wants to beat this team as worse. And, and that's just being honest. It's just being honest. You know, it sounds bad, like getting up more for some games than others. But the truth is, that's the game that he wants. His family's there. It's a team he really wants to beat. You know, he... I forgot to mention this, but he's uh, he, he was recruited there. He was committed there before deciding to come to Colorado. So these are all guys he knows. Guys who felt like he left them. There's, I don't want to throw animosity out there, but there are relationships there. Um, he's friends with some of the guys. He, he, he might have a bit of that bad guy, villain feel to the Dayton Flyers. You know, Imagine McKinley Wright out there with Obi Toppin in this group. Actually, don't. Don't ever imagine him in anything but a Buffs jersey. That's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be so much fun. And as, as, as fun as it is to hear McKinley talk about how much that fires him up, how much he wants to beat this basketball team, you know, I asked Deshaun, uh, you know, hearing McKinley talk like that, does does that get you fired up? yourself for that game and he said yeah we want to win this for McKinley and Evan Batty's sitting there with a big smile and he said too like we want to back McKinley up we don't want to put him in this situation again they have their own feelings after the NIT last year 
this is a game where they're all playing for McKinley. And they said that that's how it felt last year too. Um, McKinley out on the court saying, you know, we're not, we're not losing to these guys. That just makes this game even more intriguing. Uh, it for, Again, for somebody like me, and I know that this isn't a, a show about me, it's a show hosted by me. I knew nothing about this team. It's a process to kind of get to know the guys, to start feeling some sort of emotional attachment. I'm starting to get really hyped. For, th- for this game tomorrow in particular, I have some strong feelings. I-, I want to see McKinley pull through. I want to see this team be just a step closer to what we know it can be. I don't, you know, Tad Boyle said it's going to take uh, our best effort to beat Dayton. I don't think that's true. It's going to take close to the best effort. It's definitely going to take close to the best effort. And it might take the best effort that this team is capable of tomorrow, on Saturday. The The potential for this team, though, is too big to say that they need all of that to beat Dayton. And that's just how I feel right now. You know, if the shooters are clicking, if McKinley Wright's doing McKinley Wright things, if Tyler Bay isn't trying to do too much, he's, he's being put in situations, he's putting himself in situations that favor his talents, that aren't asking him to handle the ball too much, to put his back to the basket too much, all this kind of stuff. If he's a cutter, if he's flying transition, if he's uh, the Giannis, you know, the the Giannis of the buffs, then then this team can compete with almost anybody in the country. Maybe, maybe anybody in the country. Dayton, it's probably going to take the best effort they're capable of tomorrow, but what the buffs are capable of becoming by the time the Pac-12 tournament rolls around, by the time the NCAA tournament comes around, is greater than what I think Dayton can be, or at least is tomorrow. Those are those are some thoughts. Those are some takes. I'm excited for that game. Uh, definitely going to have to be checking out the uh, women's game, too, against Tulane, see if they can finish off their undefeated non-conference schedule I'm not even going to knock on wood. They're, they they can handle it. Knocking on wood for that kind of stuff is kind of like a nervous man's game. Um, going to be a good day. Hopefully I see you guys at Blake Street Tavern, 430. It's going to be a good time. Watch party. Uh, not sure whose watch party, actually. It might just be Blake Street Tavern. But uh, it's going to be a blast. Again, at least last night, I've plugged Chase being there a lot. That was the plan, <laughs> at the very least. Um... Also, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go out and uh, check out Matt McChesney is having a uh, brunch for all of his guys who signed with uh, colleges this week. So I'm going to go hang out there. Uh, You know, Carson Lee, part of that group. Uh, Actually, I have not had a chance to meet Carson. I've met pretty much all of the other recruits, but Carson has always been on the sideline. been like, okay, he's always going to be here. I could talk to him whenever, but... Ashad Clayton, he's here for one game. Got to get in with Ashad Clayton real quick, see what he has to say. Also, Carson, if you guys haven't been paying attention on Twitter, is like the best recruiter that the Buffs have. Like Darren Cheverini deserves all the props in the world. Mel Tucker deserves all the props. All these, all these coaches done a great job. Carson Lee on Twitter, something different. Um, and so when he's down the sideline talking to guys, I don't want to like butt in there and be like, hey, talk to me for 10 minutes or five minutes or two minutes. Like, just work your magic. Do what you got to do. We'll find a time. And that time's tomorrow, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, Going to be a busy day for me, which is fun. Um, 
okay. Uh, I really need to talk about this linebacker. Um, this is a long show. There are long shows. That's all right. You, you guys have all weekend to get through all this. So let's talk about uh, this inside linebacker who comes from an interesting background for sure. Here's here's the deal. Guy's name is Brendan Pine. P-Y-N-E. He's a grad transfer from Brown. So what do we know? Uh, smart. He graduated. Uh, also smart because he's from Brown. Um, good at football because Mel recruited him. And also the fact that he's a grad transfer senior means that he's expected to play this year. Otherwise, why would you even bring him in? Um, so there, there's kind of your preface. Uh, here is what we know. Six feet tall, 205 pounds. Um, Tucker was on uh, the the Buffs website talking about him. I think it was a Neil Wolk story. And he said he's a highly productive defensive player. He plays multiple positions. He could play inside linebacker or at our star position. I've known about him all the way back to his days at the IMG Academy where he was a team captain. He'll come in and compete for playing time. We're very excited about him. Okay, so uh, a couple of notes there. Uh, first of all, could be playing inside linebacker, could be playing star. What does that tell you? The star is a very athletic position. You're asked to do a lot of different things. You need to be able to drop in coverage. You need to be able to line up one-on-one against slot receivers. You need to be able to tackle on outside runs, set the edge on outside runs. Uh, you also need to be able to blitz. That's a lot of different things. And if uh, if uh, Pine is being, or if Pine is expected to have potential to fill that role, you know that he can do a lot of different things. The other option is inside linebacker. Um, if a guy is being considered for the star, you know he has really good cover skills for an inside linebacker. Uh, I like that fit right there. Put him next to Nate Landman. And uh, that that linebacker spot could be very much improved. Uh, he, he should be able to cover. Uh, he, he was a three-year starter at Brown. Again, IMG Academy. We haven't finished all the way through, through this quote. Um, here's the line. I've known about him all the way back to his days at IMG where he was a team captain. Okay, important. Obviously, this guy was a uh, pretty big-time football player. He, he was at least flashing some SEC potential because, remember, Mel Tucker was recruiting to Bama and Georgia, so if he was watching this guy while recruiting to Bama and Georgia, he at least looked like he had a chance to fit in there. Um, I, I don't actually know if he got offers from there. I haven't checked that. Um, IMG Academy is in Florida, by the way. That's a, it, It's like a football academy, sports academy. Um, pretty much people send their kids there from all over the country, and you have to be accepted. Like You have to be a very good athlete, and you are developed like an athlete, while also going to school. Um, very intensive, and you see a lot of very good IMG products. So the fact that he was a team captain there, probably one of their best players at a school where you're getting a lot of four-star, some five-star guys, uh, big time. He'll come in and compete for playing time. Yeah, you got to say everybody's competing. Uh, over the last three years, 178 tackles, uh, a sack, um, forced a couple fumbles, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, 
comes from a football family, which I think is really interesting. His uh, dad had like I think like a tryout, I believe, in the NFL. His grandpa played in the NFL. Uh, his uncle was in the NFL for a long time. Um, his great grandpa was in the NFL. Uh, his his brother just signed with Notre Dame as a four star. So, football family. The guys produced is Brown a Pac-12 school? No, famously it's an Ivy League school, which uh, is not as good at football. I still really like this move. I think that he comes in. I think that he's an important piece of this defense. I'd like to see him uh, play at inside linebacker. I I, want to say that that depends on what the star position looks like. You know, do you have to move Mark Perry back to safety, or can you leave Mark Perry there? Uh, Can can uh, oh uh, how am I spacing out his name? Uh, T. uh, Torn Pittman. Torn Pittman. is is he ready to maybe compete for that spot? Or, you know, who knows? Christian Gonzalez, another true freshman, uh, who will be a true freshman. Can he come in and compete? So there's some options there, and I'd like to say that ideally you throw Pine in the middle because he's so valuable there as a cover guy. Uh, the question is whether you have that flexibility or if you need him to play a spot where you need coverage instead of want coverage. Um I don't think that's true. I think that there might be some questions about whether he is big enough, physical enough to stop the run inside. Um, I'm excited to dig into some tape and see what this guy can do. This is exciting. I mean, you look back, Arlington Hambright was a grad transfer last year, and he's an NFL prospect now. Mikhail Onu was the other grad transfer. He was one of the stars of this defense. Not the position, but be he was really good at football. Um this is what they're expecting Brendan Pine to be. Big move. Big move. Um, questions. We got to get into some questions. Uh, before we do that, I do want to say I like this look. Um, I do think that Marvin Ham is a guy who could have that mobility at inside linebacker. I think that Nate Landman, I think he takes a pretty big step forward next year. Um Again, he he was first team all Pac-12 this year, according to the Pac-12 coaches. I I probably wouldn't have voted for him for that. I think second team is fair, but again, it's what happened. So that's kind of <laughs> that, that's that's their read on the situation. He looks so much better in coverage late. I I don't know. Oh my goodness, how did I space this? Okay, first comment. This is going to be a long podcast. Uh, K Harris four four four, great podcast. Just curious, your thoughts on KD coming back and how you think he'll fit in the rotation next year and the leadership role he'll provide the younger guys coming in. Thanks. I totally forgot that there was no Buffs podcast yesterday, so we didn't have a chance to talk about this. I've talked about it so many times with so many different people in like the company Slack channel uh, with Chase at the game last night with uh everyone pretty much that I know um, except for you guys and you guys are the most important ones oh I guess we're going to really have to dig into this on Monday but here we go Um, KD that is huge Uh, I, I kind of voiced my concerns after he said he was transferring I wrote a story about my concerns Uh, I think a lot of people really excited 
um, this was a spot where I I was a little bit lower on the Buffs receivers than I think a lot of other people were, and uh, didn't catch much hate for that. Come on, guys, give me some shade, something. I need to I need haters to defy. Um, but I legitimately less concerned. I like a lot of these guys. I, I of course I like Dimitri Stanley. I think Le- Levante Chenault is going to be big time. I think Brendan Rice is going to be big time. Uh, Maurice Bell's fun. Jalen Jackson with his speed. A lot of guys I really, really like. And uh, I was still pretty concerned about the 2020 season. You just don't have a lot of guys who have, uh, you know, ex- experience, I guess, is what it is. You're projecting. You're you're saying, we think that this guy is going to be better than he was. Because remember what they were. They were guys who couldn't, get on the field for the most part in 2019. You're saying, I'm expecting you to get significantly better. Good enough that you don't see too much of a drop-off from this year's wide receiver group to next year's wide receiver group, which I think is a stretch. I think that you're still probably going to see a a drop-off. How big of a drop-off, I don't know, but I think Katie Nixon significantly closes that gap. He is now your, your guy. And I know that... I don't know. There, there's this feeling about the new shiny thing that everybody gets excited about, and that's just human nature. If if we we talked about this, I had a terrible analogy about PlayStations and Xboxes a couple of days ago. Boy, was that awful. Um, but but that's just how it works. You get a puppy, you love the puppy, uh, you spend all day with the puppy. Whenever you're away from the puppy, you're just thinking about the puppy. Um, you're like. Hey, remember that girl I bought brought to breakfast? Uh, I was flexing on that a couple weeks ago. Um, she just got her dog a seventy dollar snow f- outfit, and it's it's not like a little dog. Again, like you just love that thing. Like you love it as a puppy. You're buying it stuff. As it grows into a dog, you love it, and you spend all your time with it. And there's nothing else you'd rather be doing than being with that dog. And then you decide, hey, let's get another dog. I love this dog so much. Why not have two? And so you get another puppy and you love that puppy and you probably are so excited about it that you neglect that other dog just a tiny bit because you're so excited about the new puppy. Um, and the old dog is forgot. This is sad. I, I don't like this. Um, but, but you get it. That that's just kind of how it works. You love the new thing, the shiny thing. And it's really excited to see all these new toys, to see Dimitri Stanley come into his own. Um, Daniel Arias, can he take a step? Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson, Vontae Chenault for his, I mean, honestly, I think that he's probably going to get real, a lot of playing time. It's exciting to see all of those guys come out on the field. It's exciting to see Brendan Lewis at quarterback. Is it the smart decision? I don't know. Having KD coming back, you know, it, it, it isn't flashy. It isn't really like it's not a new toy you're not unwrapping something new seeing what you have you know can can brendan rice turn into a a first round pick can he equal visca's production can he be that kind of star can vante be as great as his brother like these are storylines that are going to be really exciting kd coming back you know a lot about what he is and because you know so much you forget that he is a very good receiver um, just because that unknown is so exciting about these younger guys. Katie's going to be key. Having that veteran, having 
a spot stabilized is so valuable. It, it means that there's competition for playing time behind him. That's so much fun. This rotation is going to be deep. KD can be a chess piece. You can put him in the backfield. Uh, you can line him up all over. You can find different ways to get him the ball. Now that Visca's gone, KD gets to kind of have the first shot at being that kind of guy, that chess piece type guy. And I think that he could really excel in that role. Um, it's very important that KD is coming back. It's very important that KD is coming back. Uh, personally, I'm excited about it. I've had a blast covering KD. He's so much fun to talk to. Uh, his brain moves so fast and in such strange directions. It's incredible. And, and I really enjoy it. Talking with him before games. Remember that video before the Utah game? I'm like down on the field and uh, KD's like doing his thing. He's like rapping into the camera. And I asked him like, what's up with the polo? Because he was warming up in a very tight polo buttoned all the way up to his neck. Like running around, catching passes in shorts and a polo buttoned up to his neck. That was probably too small for him. It's, uh, I mean, it's not too small for him. If I had muscles, I'd make them look like that too. And then he just said, you know, it's all business. And I I love it. I love it. Uh, you need some personality. He's a great locker room presence. He was voted one of the leaders on the team. He won a leadership war- award this year. This is important. It's 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 a mentor for this for these young guys. It's it's somebody who can be in their ear, push them in the weight room, push them on the field. And I think that that's really valuable. I think that his off-the-field contributions... You know, KD has an ego. He has a really, really big ego. That's just the truth. That's who he is. I don't think he'd deny it. it he he probably legitimately thought he was a first-round draft pick. And you know what? Somebody who's that confident, it's tough to see them fail when they really, really believe that that's who they are. That ego, I don't think it's a problem. And I I, want to make that clear. Like, we all know that he has that ego. That's been obvious for a long time now. But it's, I think it can add something. I really think it can add something to that locker room. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm I'm a a big fan. Uh, Is that enough? Yeah, we'll we'll probably keep talking about this next week. Um, I think I'll probably dig into who does this affect most. Um... Where will KD line up? Can can you use him as a chess piece? Um, what does it look like? Um, but let's move along for now because we are hitting about 105.30. Jeez. Um, I'm seriously not going to be able to speak for a couple days. Hopefully Monday I'll be good. Uh, B-Mixer says, The live show was great. First year they did this, but it was great and the team did a good job putting it on. Uh, a reminder, if you guys missed the last podcast and haven't been following along with the Buffs football Twitter account, Facebook, social media, they did a live show. Two hours uh, of national signing, day, I guess, like early signing period. I think they still call it a national signing day. It's kind of weird because it's not national signing day. They definitely referenced it that way in the live show. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um but it was hosted by Mark Johnson. They had David Bakhtiari back. They had Daniel Graham also Skyping in. They had Matt McChesney, our guy here at DNVR. One of, he's so cool. Uh, in person there, he was introducing Carson Lee, uh, Derek White. You know, they, they had a lot of awesome people. Cheeto coming back to introduce these guys, which uh, was awesome. Interviews with Neil Welk of uh, 
cubuffs.com. Uh, Mel Tucker, also exciting. It was really well done. It was a lot of fun. Um, there's your context. B-Mixer continues. Tucker is just a man amongst boys. In in every room, and that's me speaking. I don't think that there's a room he walks into where he doesn't, he isn't like the center of a, t- he just has that gravity to him where when he walks in, you're like, oh boy. I honestly think that if you had some, I don't know, what's a group of people that doesn't like football? Um, somebody who like probably very anti like contact. I don't know. Whatever that group is, a room of 20 people eating dinner and uh, they know nothing about football. Mel Tucker walks in, they feel it. That's who that guy is. Um, let's see. B-Mixer said, Tucker's just man amongst boys. The way he commands the room every time he talks. Hey, that's what I said. I don't even think he has to talk. Uh, Tucker and the assistants did look boss. They, they were dressed to the nines. Uh, he and George definitely get it when it comes to knowing that these events are huge marketing events for the team. Yep. Uh, contrast it with CSU press conference to announce Steve Adagio. Uh, uh, I'm going to be nice to CSU today. I have not been in the past. This will balance it out. We can get back into it on Monday. Uh, there was no logo or anything on the screen. If you did not know it was CSU, you could not tell what college was putting it on. Would you, would you have thought it was a college putting it on? Um, so there it was. There was me being not what I said I was going to be. You would not have known it was a college putting it on. Um, do you think that, that Tucker thinks Lewis will start, or do you think he really likes how Lytle or Stenstrom has played in practice and knows he has a starter there? Great show, and thanks for your work. Here's my take. Um, if First of all, Brendan Lewis is special, and I think that's where this has to, to really start. Um, he, if you look at the tape, there are runs. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson fast, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here. I want to remain reasonable. But at the same time, the jukes that he's throwing on defenders, the spin moves, the way he, he can even bully guys a little bit when he runs the ball... There is something really special about the way he runs the football football, and he throws the ball really well. So you know right there, he has the tools to be a special quarterback in the Pac-12. Um, a, a tough place to be one of the top quarterbacks. The tools are all there. And what I like most about all of his tools is that they f- profile well for being good early in a career. You know, there's there's a way to simplify an offense so that you give a young quarterback fewer opportunities to make a mistake because he has all these different ways he can use them. Kind of like Visca, but you know, you're lining him up at quarterback. You, you don't have to, I guess you could throw him at receiver and I think he can make a couple things happen. But, but when you have a guy who can run, it just opens things up. You, you can run the, the read option. Um, you add that to your arsenal. All of a sudden, that opens up the running game because there's one more threat that the defense is worried about. You're you're reading somebody and you're taking advantage and you're giving yourself a one-man numbers advantage because somebody is not where they'd... You, you know, depends on the play, who the read guy is, but that guy, he's taking himself out of the play by committing to somebody he shouldn't be committing to. Or, I mean, not even that he shouldn't be, but you can take advantage by just going with the other guy. You know, that's that's another play that's added to your arsenal. These RPOs, where the options are throw the ball quickly or hand it off. You know, you can you can tweak that to throw in some quarterback run type options because that's something he's capable of. Um, it, when things break down, 
you can you can tell them, hey, I want you to have a quick trigger when it comes to to running the ball. If it's not there quickly, if your first read's not there, tuck it and go. If there's a running lane, then you tuck it and go. And you'd, you'd like for them to not have to say that. You'd like for them to be able to say, yeah, this is a quarterback who can progress through three reads. And then if it's not there, be able to run the ball. There aren't many of those guys in college football. The odds that the true freshman will be slim. So many different things that he can do. That makes it so much easier for, you know, with his skill set to expect him to play well early on. And it's something we've seen. We've seen from Jaden Daniels this year at Arizona State. Uh, Adrian Martinez at Nebraska early on was very good. Recently, eh. But, but these running quarterbacks, and I don't... I don't want you to think he can't throw the football. He is dual threat. He can definitely, like, he has an arm. But being dual threat, adding that extra element to your game, that has typically made it easier to transition to college football than a pro-style quarterback who, you know, if he if he can't get through two, three reads and, uh, and find that guy, he's kind of out of options. You know, you, you can't get as creative in the running game. So things are bottled up a little bit there. It makes it a lot easier to just take away the running game, force a pro-style quarterback to to beat a defense with his arm. And that's just not true of dual-threat guys. That's why you see them have more success early on. Um, so I do think that that's a really key point here, is that it isn't quite as much of an upset. He isn't beating the odds quite as much uh if, if he does become the, the starter for week one next year compared to a pro-style quarterback. Okay, uh, the other part of this, do you, do you think that Tucker thinks Lewis will start? Do you think he really likes how Lytle Stenstrom has played in practice and knows he has a starter there? So here's what we know on the other side. That's what we know about Brendan Lewis, his potential in 2020. What we know about Tyler Lytle and Blake Stenstrom is that they really didn't get many opportunities in the 2019 season. And they could have. Mel stood by Steven Montez when Steven Montez was putting himself pretty deep in the hole. Um, you know, that that Oregon game, it took forever for Steven Montez to get pulled. Um, past the point, and this is important, past the point where you knew that this game was lost. Because once you know that a game is lost, the rest of the game is just about reps. And maybe Mel thought, you know what? We got to get uh, Steven Montez out there throwing the football, see if he can get a tiny bit of this rhythm back. Against that Oregon defense, I think the odds of that happening were pretty slim, especially when Steven's confidence was, it had to have taken a pretty big hit the way that game was going. Um, your other option, instead of saying we need to get Steven some momentum against the best defense, he, the second best defense, they did play Utah, he's going to play this year, which would be a very bold line of thinking, is, hey, this is our chance to let these young guys gain some experience. It's a chance to see what Tyler Lytle can do on the field. Um, and we aren't going to have many opportunities to see this. Uh Tucker didn't think that that was as valuable as leaving Steven Montez out there. So that, to me, is a very important piece of this equation when evaluating 
whether Tyler Lytle or Stenstrom should be the guy next year, whether we expect them to be the guy this year or next year. Um, because Mel Tucker had an option. He clearly took that option. It wasn't just the Oregon game. Uh, even the next week uh, when they were playing Washington State, the next game uh, against Washington State, a similar situation where you didn't see Tyler Lytle or Blake Stenstrom enter until very, very late. Um, there were games when Stephen wasn't playing well and he could have gone to Lytle or Stenstrom when the game was still competitive because he thought that the backup quarterback gave them a better chance than Steven Montez at his worst did. That never happened. Um, again, there could have been other factors that we don't know about. If you guys can think of other factors, let me know in the comments and we'll get into those. But off the top of my head, I can't think of another reason to not get these guys reps um, if you really do think that they're next up. Um, also, again, these are not these are not like 30-year-olds who are what they are. They're 18, 19, 20, still developing. You never know when they're going to take a leap. Um, that leap could come this offseason, and all of a sudden, even if they weren't in the plans, they could make themselves very much in the plans by playing well in the spring, uh, by proving in the meeting rooms that they were in command of everything. Just because they weren't ready to be the guy then, they weren't on the path to be the guy then, which again is my read. If you guys can think of another reason why things shook out that way, let me know. Um, then they could still become the guy who is up next, who's on the path to be a starter. Um, that's why I, I I think I said Brendan Lewis, I think I said 80% plus chance um, that, that he... Uh, is the quarterback week one next year. Uh, again, Mel Tucker did say during that live, or no, it was after the live show in his press conference, he said that it's not, they aren't, at right now they aren't considering bringing in a grad transfer quarterback, a transfer quarterback. That, or I think it was, are you considering going to the transfer portal to find a quarterback? And Mel said, we are not considering going to the transfer portal to find a quarterback. Um so, so that's the thought process right there. I trust Mel. He's usually pretty straight up. Um, that's why we're kind of saying the stage is Lewis versus Lytle versus Stenstrom. I say 80% plus because I think that 80% is right about the right number, uh, but I could see that. I think it's more likely to move up than move down um, in the near future. Also worth noting that Brendan Lewis will be on campus uh, starting in January for the spring semester. So he's getting reps uh, here pretty soon. He's going to be working with the team. That That's very important to these considerations. Really dug in there. We're pushing an hour 20 now. And those are the two questions from that podcast. I think that there might have been a silver buff question from podcast before that I have time for. Yes. Um, Silver Buff said people on the boards bashing Mel recruiting early on is exactly why you stay away from the boards today Mel is signing the best class in a decade he gets along with players better than most coaches three sentences let's go one by one uh, he said people on boards bashing Mel recruiting early on is exactly why you stay away from the boards yep I mean uh, like I said I think they're a great resource especially for somebody in my shoes who's trying to keep like a read on the situation like what's what's the vibe 
What's the temperature of Buffs fans right now? Great way to do that. Also, when you put a group of people who are very emotional, as sports fans are, in one group, particularly on the internet, things can get pretty ugly pretty quickly. And I don't think anybody's surprised to hear that. That's just how sports fans work, especially on the internet, especially when you get a big group of them all in one area. So, yeah, um, don't don't take a read on a class early on the early on, especially I think the way that this all played out was kind of interesting because it was almost like Mel's move was swooping in late. You know, pulling a shot late, pulling Christian Gonzalez late. Brendan Rice was moderately late. Um, but it was when Ashad was still like likely going to LSU, but then he cooled off on LSU. Mel swooped in, made his pitch, and got him. Um, again, Ashad has not signed. He won't until February. There are some doubts there. We don't need to get into that as we push an hour 20. But uh, I think that that's interesting to know going forward that a lot of the class, especially the bigger name guys, you know, it's almost like he got some of the depth early on and then more recently pulled in the flashy stuff. I don't know. Uh, Worth keeping in mind. um, Calling this a bad recruiting class. That's a, was that like the freezing cold takes account? You should just send them like the, links or pages or screenshots of what people are saying there. Again, that's not because Buffs fans are any worse than the other fans in terms of being emotional and angry. That's just how fandom works when things aren't going well. And to, to be fair, it did not look like things were going well at that point. You know, it might have been short-sighted to say that he's a bad recruiter and that he wasn't living up to the hype before you even get close to signing day. But it's it it would have been a reasonable take to say hey i thought mel would have had a better class put together by this point um quickly that turns into <laughs> wtf come on get him out of here okay um today mel is signing the best class in a decade yes he is he gets along with players better than most coaches very obviously do very or does he very obviously does uh, I think that that's what's most exciting and to expand on that he gets along with AD better than I think a lot of them do I think he gets along with assistant coaches better than most do I, I think he gets along with the coaches of other programs within the University of Colorado athletics department better than most coaches do uh, gets along with parents gets along with the media that's who he is and uh, that's an important skill to have makes my job easier for sure uh i think that that's everything for today and it only took us an hour 21 45 um before i throw in the intro and whatever else i end up throwing in um that's gonna be it for today i'll be back monday i think we might actually be recording the draft podcast monday we gotta figure that out um i'll be back monday tuesday at the very latest uh, to talk about what happens against Dayton to talk about whether the Buffs women's basketball team is still undefeated in non-conference play. Um, 
probably get into these receivers a little bit more. Um, I did want to get into the inside linebackers more too, but we there's just not enough time in the day, especially when I'm focused on weird things um, like puppies. All right, that's going to do it. Um, I'll see you soon. Oh, hopefully I'll see you at the watch party at Blake Street Tavern tomorrow. Uh, I'll be there around four. I think Chase Howe's coming with me. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Watch the buffs play Dayton. Talk about the buffs. Talk about, uh, Brendan Pine. Talk about Katie Nixon. Whatever you guys want to talk about. We're just there to hang out. Um, it's a lot of fun. What else are you going to do with a Saturday? Just don't go shopping. It's terrible, terrible out there. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Leave your comments if you have them. Subscribe. Become a member to, uh, DNVR. And we really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Colorado swag, my Colorado 